women's rights Welcome to episode four of season two from the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, a podcast series that's shining a spotlight on women in intellectual property. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I am the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitum IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. We are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited based out of the U.K. and London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix Magazine. The 2022 Women's IP World can be found digitally at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. And you can listen to the annual as well on your favorite podcast app. Now that many IP conferences are back in person, please also keep an eye out for the hard copies. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ngozi Abra-Bigby, partner and head of the Intellectual Property Department of Jackson, Eti, and Edu in Nigeria. And if I mispronounce anything, Ngozi, please, please correct me. Welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Um, you did a good job of pronouncing my, my name. <laughs> Thank you. I admit I did practice. Thank you. So, um, First thing off is we really want to get to know you. Um, where are you located in Nigeria? Okay, so I speak out of Lagos presently, um, which is where we have our head office for Jackson, Etsy, and Edu. Okay, great. Do you live there as well? Like, Yes, you- I live here. I've, I've lived here for all my life, really, um, <laughs> which is like um, I, 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 I've lived here. I've, I've raised my kids here. Uh, my career has been built around Lagos, so as we say, I'm a Lagosian. <laughs> ah, Lagosian. I like it. I didn't know that terminology. Very good. I will add that to my vocabulary. So in looking at your bio, which is so impressive, I see that you've done a lot of schooling. So I'm wondering if you can go through that with us. I know that um, you know from your bio here um, on page 67 of the magazine. For any of those who might have it either digitally or in hard copy, with you know with them as they're listening, um, that you went to University of Nigeria. Is that also in Lagos? No, University of Nigeria is in the southeastern part of Nigeria, um, and. Just to also, you know, shed a, a bit of light around my person. Um, I, I was born here, but I am from the southeastern part of Nigeria. And I think my parents just felt like, you know, they need to get this girl to know a bit more about her home country. And uh, that might have been the reason why my parents decided that I was better off schooling University of Nigeria. Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's, an, it's a nice, I enjoyed my time there because um, the culture is different from the culture here in, in Lagos in the southwest of Nigeria. It's a good exposure for me. So this was your undergraduate, right? Yes, this was my undergraduate. And can you tell us a little bit about those 
those differences. I don't know if a lot of the listeners have have traveled extensively in Nigeria, so it would be really helpful to kind of illustrate, paint a picture for us of, of how East and West are very different. Oh, sure. Um, so in Nigeria, there are three main ethnic groups, um, and you have the Yorubas, the Igbos, and the, the Hausas. And um, the Yorubas are located in the southwestern part of Nigeria. The Igbos in the in the southeastern part of Nigeria, and the north the houses in the northern part of Nigeria. Now, one of the main differences is the language. Um, the local language is different. I am from um, the Igbo-speaking part of Nigeria, the southeastern part of Nigeria, and as you would imagine, I grew up in the in the southwestern part of Nigeria. So, apart from English language. The other language that I'm really fluent in is Yoruba, which is the local language in the southwestern part of Nigeria. Um, and moving you know, to the southeastern part for school helped me to also brush up on my local language, which is Igbo. Um, and th- there are cultural differences as well in the way, for instance, um, the way the Yorubas express respect is such a big deal in the western part of Nigeria, in the southeastern part of Nigeria, not such a big deal. Um, and so it was, I, I always stood out because having grown in the southwestern part of Nigeria, I had that culture. And um, I think everyone likes to know that they're respected and having to express it in the way the Yorubas express it in west in the eastern part of Nigeria just was different. And um, I think it drew a lot of attention to me. That's one of the things I can talk about very easily. And we were talking before, before when we were just chatting uh, before the f- podcast. You were talking me, telling me about the weather. Um, yeah. Is there a lot of weather differences between the different areas of Nigeria, or is it all pretty much the same climate? It's it's the same um, across the southeast and the southwest. Okay, but in the north. Um, you have areas that are that can be really warm, warmer than the southwest and southeast um, at certain times of the year. And when it gets cold, it gets really cold. Um, in fact, it's been said that in, in, in Joss, for instance, a place in the north um, that we've had a situation, but an instance where it snowed. Um, so it can wow. get really cold there. But in the southwest where I am and the southeast where it's cold, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Quite warm, quite warm and, and, and arid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 28 degrees now, and that's good for us because it gets a lot warmer than that many times of the many times during the year. Yes, I think we'll have to connect when it's December, January, particularly February in Chicago, where I'm located, and compare our weathers then. <laughs> very, very different. Here, around that time period, it's February in particular. It's it does it's too cold to snow. Like it can't snow. It's too cold, and people are like, <laughs> "Wow, yeah." Um, so I have a quick question. Just just at your time in university at the University of Nigeria, it's called an LLB LLB program, or that was your your graduate degree. What is that? What does that stand for? Okay, so the LLB program is basically a law degree. It's a first oh, it degree. Is. Okay. Yes, it is, um, and it it has its root in um, I think it's Latin, but when abbreviated, we recognize it as LLB. LLB. 
So you're yes. basically, so your major in undergrad was law. So that's what I was trying yes. to figure out because as I'm looking here, you know, at your bio and then it has um, Nigerian law school as BL. So I was like, okay, okay. So I was trying to understand the, the, the differences because here we have different extensions, you know, uh, for when you're graduating with a particular degree. Oh, interesting. So very good. So then when, so then when you finished at um, U of Nigeria um, and then went to Niger, uh, Nigerian law school, did you then end up moving? Like, where did you go then from there? Oh, yes. Um, you, you guessed right already. I had to um, attend the Nigerian law school at Abuja, which is a federal capital territory. It's kind of in a central location, but it's, it's really closer to the north. So there again, um, the weather is different. Speaking of the weather, mm-hmm. uh, it was just a nine months program or maybe a 12 months program, very short. Um, I didn't get to interact very much with the community because um, this was law school, very intense. And um, I had to focus and the location isn't, the location was w- away from town. So it was a location that encouraged you to just focus on your studies. And that's really what I did in that period, yeah. <laughs> just buckle down. No, understood. And then then you, you did a, a, a master's and then another degree. Um, so an, an LLM um, at, um, oh, goodness, I didn't practice this one. Um, Abafemi Awaloa. Awaloa. Yeah. Um, and then a universe, then University of London, you did another LLM in corporate commercial law and then Harvard Business School in their executive program. So, um, I mean, tell us, tell us a, a, about your desire, you know, um, clearly you have a love for learning, right? Cause you just kept on going. I, I think, I think, um, what you say about learning is a Nigerian thing. We, we tend to prioritize formal education a lot, and, and that definitely has had its um, influence on me. When I left law school, um, I got into practice, and um, I got interested in intellectual property practice. But all through my time in school, I never had any exposure to intellectual property. Um, and therefore, when I, was, when I had a period when um, I thought to myself, I'm just going to go in for my master's, and um, that's when I attended the Obafemiya Wolowo University. And because I had an early exposure to intellectual property just before then, I decided that I was going to major on intellectual property, which is what I did then. Um, after my time at Obafemiya Wolowo University, um, I came back into practice and was heavily vested in intellectual property practice here in Lagos. And then I, also, I then um, realized that there were certain aspects of um, corporate and commercial law that I also wanted to get knowledge on um, because intellectual property doesn't exist in, in, in a vacuum. It exists within the context of commercial law. And so I thought it might be a good idea to broaden my uh, horizon. Uh, so I, I then enrolled for, for the University of London um, LLM program, which I concluded uh, about three years ago. And um, For Harvard Business School, that was really an executive program to help me in my leadership role in the firm. Um, I I think you already mentioned it, but, you know, just to say that I had the intellectual property department at the firm 
And that requires me to learn very specific things about managing teams, managing a practice, you know, and that kind of learning was what I attended the Harvard Business School for. So did you move to to Boston then for for a time in order to do that? Or were you able to do it remotely? I was able to do it remotely. So I, okay. I did that into in the heat of um, COVID. I think that was 2020. Oh. Ah, well, yeah. that's a good use. Yeah, excellent use of your time. Yes, I would say 2020 rings a bell. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So wonderful. So some of these, some of these programs, you know, LLM included, I assume you were, you were already working, um, at the firm. How long have you been with the Jackson firm? Um, I have been with Jackson Etienne Edu for about 12 years. Okay. Um, okay. and cumulatively it would be more than 12 years cause I, I had a short hiatus, um, when I went for my master's. I had to leave Lagos State because I got married and I, I left Lagos State and I did my master's. But if I were to sum up all the years together, I think I'll be looking at about 14 years here. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit. So how many, can you give us just an idea about the firm? Are there other specializations within the firm? How, you know, about how many people or how many attorneys are with the firm? That, that sort of give us a little background. Okay. Um, so Jackson Etienne Edu is a full service law firm, and um, simply that means that we provide the range of services that any corporate entity would require, um, including intellectual property. Uh, we started out in over twenty five years ago with focus on intellectual property at the time, and we've grown from that position to becoming um, the full service law firm we are today. In terms of how how many lawyers we are, we have over forty five lawyers, and we have over a hundred um, a hundred personnel within the firm. So we do have a, a, quite a number of um, paralegals and um, office assistants, in you know, and roles that help us to do what we do. Um, we are presently located in different offices or different locations across Africa. Our head office from where I speak is in Lagos. We do have another office in Abuja, which is the seat of power in, in Nigeria, the federal capital territory, Abuja. We have offices in Accra, Ghana. We do have um, an office in Cameroon, Yaoundé, and in Harare, Zimbabwe. Um, in terms of our intellectual property practice, because I, I, I realize this is this conversation is really going to narrow down on intellectual property. So um, I would say very quickly that our intellectual property practice is Africa wide and we advise across um, all the territories within Africa with the support or with the with the with the. Um, help of our offices, we're able to cover regions, different regions in Africa and areas where we don't have offices. We do have trusted networks of agents that we work with and help um, and have helped us to provide services to our clients. One thing that I'd like to mention about our firm is our sector focus. We are one of the few firms that are truly sector focused in the sense that we are set up not just in terms of our technical teams, but also in relation to specific sectors. And um, there are seven sectors that we have chosen. Um, I have the privilege of leading the technology, media, and entertainment sector. But besides that, we have the health, the health and pharmaceutical sector, 
public sector, financial services sector, the fast-moving consumer goods sector, the energy and infrastructure sector. Um, I think that's that's really like a summary of our firm. Yeah, that that, that helps a lot. Um, and and also, I saw just even within your bio, you you personally even the data protection area, which is vastly growing um, and becoming so important. In um, I mean, it's it's it overlaps with IP, of course, but but still has it has it's growing in its own right. Yeah, you're right, Michelle. Um, I had the data protection team. Um, and, and for us in Nigeria, data protection became a thing um, about three years ago when the regulation was um, enacted, when there was a new regulation around data protection. And um, I have had the privilege of working with the regulators on developing the framework for data protection. Um, so very, very early on when data protection became such a, an interesting subject to discuss, uh, we began to have a very, we're going to build a very robust practice on, on data protection. And I'm happy and proud of, of where we are today as far as that is concerned. Yeah, it's a very robust, it's grown into such a robust firm. Um, I do want to take a quick break right now, and then we're going to dive into your article. We're going to get uh, into IP practice in not just Nigeria, but in Africa. So stay tuned. The Women's IP World Annual is the industry's number one publication that celebrates the work and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation globally. Our annual publication has attracted a cocktail of, or inspiring, knowledgeable women working at all levels in IP and innovation from all over the world. We are proud to share our platform and profile many inspirational women by sharing their industry knowledge through engaging thought leadership literature, stories and personal experiences. If you would like to be part of the Women's IP World Annual 2023, then please make sure to contact a member of our team to reserve your profile, editorial or branding packages by calling plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email info at womensipworld.com. Reserve your position in the Women's IP World Annual 2023 before the 1st of June to qualify for a 30% discount on our profile and editorial packages. The Women's IP World Annual 2023 Profiles, Articles, Rankings, Experience, Achievements, Accolades, plus so much more. Welcome back. Okay, so the article um, can be found on pages uh, on page sixty eight of the twenty twenty two edition of the IP Women's uh, IP World Annual. So uh, the title of the article is "The African Continental Free Trade Area Implications for Brand Owners." So I I really found this article so interesting. You know, I'm reading it and it seems to me like there's this attempt to create kind of like a like a, a community trademark in Europe. I mean, that and and I would love to hear more about, you know, tell us about the continental free trade area and, and whose idea was it? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, the African continental free trade area um, is an agreement that has been negotiated under the auspices of the African Union. And the idea was really to create a single market across Africa, a continent-wide market um, for goods and services, and to enable 
um, better movement or free, freer movement of, um, of persons and businesses and investments across the continent. Um, the, 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 the drive to do this has come from the relative success that has been recorded in, um, in other trade agreements, under other trade agreements, including under ECOWAS. Uh, one of the things that has been a, a problem in Africa, it's has been the difficulty in trading within Africa. It's been traditionally easier to trade with partners outside Africa than it is to trade within Africa. And so African Union has championed the move to ensure that there is better cohesion as far as trade agreements, are as far as trade is concerned, and um, to promote that using the AFCFTA, as we call it. Um, in terms of intellectual property, what the AFCFTA CFTA can be a mouthful. What the treaty tries to I've been do. calling it. I've been calling it something different. I've been calling it the AF because there's a little F, so it's a big A, and then it's so AF CFTA. So I didn't know how are people referring to it because it is a mouthful. It is a mouthful, and and some people have called it AFTA. I, mm. I think that's also not as easy to pronounce. Um, <laughs> little e little you know, easier. Okay. Um, but but this, this free trade agreement basically is seeking to harmonize all the touch points for trade. So it, it would cover things like investment and, of course, intellectual property and competition policies and things like that. So that um, the barriers to free trade within the continent is removed. Now, um, down to intellectual property. I must mention that um, the agreement is ne being negotiated um, in bits, so to speak, because there are different protocols that need to govern different aspects of trade. And there is a specific protocol on intellectual property, which is still being negotiated. Um, and the negotiations um, have really, the conversations around that has really um, gotten very, very interesting. Um, the idea for, as far as intellectual property is concerned, doesn't seem to be to harmonize the IP registration system. Mm. Presently, there are two IP registration systems in Africa. We have the um, OAPI, which brings together French-speaking African countries under a single IP registration system that allows you to, for instance, register a trademark in um, the, the OAPI office and automatically get protection in all 16 or 17 member states. We also have the, uh, we also have ARIPO, which is, uh, in a sense, I would say it's the, it's the English speaking ver version of OAPI because ARIPO brings together um, English speaking African countries. Um, the ARIPO also enables you to file at the ARIPO office and designate specific countries where you'd want your intellectual property rights protected. Now we have these setups already existing within Africa and, and, and the way the conversation has gone so far doesn't seem to be um, like there's a move to harmonize IP registrations. However, um, it's important to have common standards across the continent so that um, the rules are reflective of what you would find in any of the, you, I mean, the IP regimes are, are the same, basically, or have materially the same 
um, ethos or the same principles. Um, I also think that the negotiations are um, going to focus on enabling um, enabling intellectual property to enabling the respect of, for intellectual property and enforcement within um, territories. These are things that that help trade and give confidence to investors coming into Africa. I see. Okay, but at least from the um, tariff-free standpoint, there are a lot of benefits, even without harmonization. I mean, there's some harmonization, not necessarily in filing practice, but in, you know, the brand protection, what, what goes into to protecting your brand um, for, per, for perhaps enforcement. Um, but you still need to file in the various countries within Africa, um, except for these two regional uh, organizations that exist, you know, the, the French and one, and then the English speaking one. Do, do I have that right? Like, did I summarize that right? Yes. Yes, you did. But let, let me draw um, a distinction between the two. So you, you need to file in the specific countries that are not member states to OAPI, for example, right? But when it comes to ARIPO, which is the English speaking um, organization, the trademark registration um, agreement under ARIPO has not been domesticated by many countries. What that means is even though they have ratified, they haven't created corresponding local legislation to support that, um, that, ratif that um, ratification, basically. And so for English-speaking countries, many times you still have to go file your trademarks within those countries. Um, again, Aripo is also on a journey, and um, mm -hmm. we're look, hoping that there will be more countries signing up and ratifying it so that it becomes as effective as OAPI. Um, so the OAPI scenario is quite different. It's really much. It's pretty much like um, I think this is it's 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 an umbrella system that you've registered once and you don't need to designate any country automatically covers in all the other countries. With oh, Aripo, wow. you register and you have to now designate. And in, okay. in designating those countries, you would really want to designate countries that have not only ratified, but also domesticated it so that you don't have a problem with enforcing when you need to. Right. So that the, the ratification is actually, there's an, there's an implementation exactly. into the local law or the national law of that country. Okay. All right. Very interesting. So not, not, not like the CTM, um, not, not quite. Um, certainly not for the, not, I mean, to, well, I guess it depends. So a little, there are some certain aspects that do remind me of CTM, but then others that are, are not quite there yet, but for the F, well, how, what are we going to go with? F, <laughs> Let, let's Africa. go with <laughs> Africa. Um, if we're talking about, about that, the continental free trade area, then, are all the African countries eligible to participate? Okay, so so far, um, about fifty-four countries have ratified or have signed signed up to the AFCFTA. Now, like I explained earlier, 
signing off is one thing and actually um, actually domesticating is another. Mm-hmm. And so there has been, I mean, we, we've been watching the numbers grow. As at last year, we had only about, I think, 20, um, we had about, only about 40, right? But as at today, we have 54, and that's really the whole of Africa. All the countries in Africa are now signatories. Um, they have signed and they've deposited their instruments, but they need to take it further and to, to create a corresponding um, local law to, to allow for the implementation of the AFCFTA. Are there any holdouts? And if, if, if so, why? Okay, so um, I, I don't know if I wouldn't call them holdouts yet. I think this is a very, <laughs> this is, this is a very um, important and far-reaching agreement that is being negotiated. And like I said, um, it's important that you, 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 you not only deal with the core trade issues, but you deal with all the ancillary elements that would enable um, trade. And so what we have seen is um, the negotiations are happening in, in, in bits and pieces. And um, it's too early to say how these negotiations will end. Um, it's too early to say whether or not um, there would be pushback. I think, I think we are at a position where we are really looking at that space and you know, um, countries are, are vested in seeing that this treaty works because it's in the interest of Africa to be able to trade within Africa. Um, the real question is what will be the terms and these are the things that are being negotiated um, along the different lines uh, that need to be considered. So we're actually, I mean, time flies uh, when you're having fun. And as my mom would say, even when you're not. <laughs> but this has been very fun. Um, we're actually getting close to time. And I would like to know, what do you think are the, the biggest benefits of being part of the AFCFTA? Okay, so um, again, I'd want to pick this from, from um, the trade angle and then narrow down to the intellectual property angle specifically. So generally, the whole essence of, of this is to create a larger market. Um, and that means that economies within Africa can consider themselves to, to have a, a, the same platform, the same, uh, have a level playing field for trade within Africa. And in fact, also outside from outside Africa um, for for brand owners, for example, this means that it will be easier to move your, your product from one territory to another if the restrictions that come with um, the national restrictions are limited or eradicated. And then, of course, it's easier. Market entry models would definitely become easier to implement across Africa, not just within jurisdictions. I also think that there would be the opportunity to um, to to there will be more visibility for African products, um, and this is because if I have a product from a smaller economy within Africa, and I can move that product more easily to other parts of Africa, then um, it will be easier for me to position my product for the global market than if I had to 
um, I was restricted to my small economy. These are the, some of the elements that make it really attractive to have this um, treaty in place. And it's and it's really just it's young, and these things take so much time. You know, the creation what well, around twenty nineteen or so, um, if I recall correctly. And taking years and look at, you know, with the pandemic has slowed down certain aspects of the world, has it not? Um, but it'll be really interesting to see even five, 10 years from now, what's happening in Africa with respect to the, the free trade area. Yes. And, and I think I think that um, this is a first of its kind. Right. And in fact, um, the World Bank has already said that this is this will be the largest free trade agreement ever. It will be interesting to see how African countries latch onto this. And um, at this stage when negotiations are still happening, it's also interesting to watch where those negotiations eventually, um, where, where, where the, the issues, how the issues will be resolved and where the standards will be uh, placed, how the negotiations will pan out. That would be very interesting because even within Africa, we know that there are differing um, views and um, different different tilts in terms of what countries want. And I think the tough period of negotiation, once that is out of the way and countries can really agree on common grounds, um, it shouldn't be too long before we began to begin to reap the rewards from this agreement. Well, we should all be keeping an eye on, on what's happening in Africa right now with this, uh, because as we advise our clients, uh, it'll be it's 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 crucial that we know and that we have resources um, like you and your firm to help us uh, navigate because it is not um, you know it, it like you said I mean th this is very huge this is very huge um, and I encourage everyone to check out the article because there's there's even more there than what we were possibly able to cover in our short session. And Ngozi, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's been so interesting getting to know you and your practice and, and what's happening in Nigeria and surrounding you. Thank you, Michelle, for inviting me. And uh, it's been a pleasure to, to speak to you. Um, thank you for being very warm. And uh, I've enjoyed our conversation together. No, thank you so much. Um, to our listeners, please don't forget to like, follow, share with your friends and colleagues, but also feel free to send comments and questions. We want to know what you think too. Thanks, everyone. The women's women's